open your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. Everybody's saying, he's about to wear that sucker out, isn't he? Where am I at? 23 messages? 24 messages? And I've got bad news for you. I thought I was going to finish up in two. I'm thinking five. Sorry. Um, I was under great conviction that he starts this out with, I do not want you to be unaware or ignorant of the spiritual gifts, brethren. And I looked at the controversy that surrounds this next topic, and I believe that it's necessary as a pastor um, to uh, make sure we understand this gift. Right, First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve verse twenty eight says, "And God is appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and various kinds of tongues." Father, help us to hear what Your Word says, Lord. Um, Father, help us to hear what the Word says. Lord, there is so much confusion in the body of Christ this day, and yet, Lord, you have shown us that this confusion has been around for a while. Lord, I ask that uh, you teach, to show us the great and magnificent truth of the supernatural abilities that the body of Christ possesses. Each and every one of your children equipped for the task that you have set us for. Thank you, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. If you look at your outlines, I want to try to drag all this together. We are actually in part three, gifts that signal. But I want to bring it all together because this is crucial for the body of Christ. Uh, Absolutely, um, maybe the most underrated, maybe the most missed understanding of the body of Christ is the spirituals, the spiritual gifts that we call it, it divine enablings as, as, as I look at it. And, and I've looked at this and if you look at spiritual gifts, it's 12 through 14. Okay. Now there's a, it's almost like a, um, a parentheses in the center of that. We call that the love chapter. But you can't miss that one because it has to be the frame on what the body of Christ works off of. All right. We've looked at gifts of men. We've seen it there in verse 28. We looked at it in depth out of Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 and 12 that God gave to the body of Christ these gifts of men. Right? Yes, they were supernaturally empowered men, but the men were given as a gift to the body of Christ. Right? It was first the apostles and the prophets. These are the foundation layers who came off the chief cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. Then after that was the evangelists, pastors, and then teachers. Right? The evangelist is just what it sounds like. He is the person or the persons that go out and have a passion to reach the lost. And then once the lost is reached, they are drawn into the pastors who are the shepherds. Okay, take from now on when you start thinking about pastors, don't look at it as a noun, look at it as a verb, poimia. It is the action that this individual does. He shepherds souls, but he also has these people around him who are gifted teachers, supernaturally empowered men for these activities. All right. And that was the gifts of men that is given to the body of Christ. And we really need to grab a hold of this because these men were given to the body of Christ to equip or to edify the saints for what? Work of ministry. Work of ministry. We have perverted this in such a manner in today's church in America that what we do is we go out and we hire ministers. If I get enough people sitting in the pews, then I'll get me enough Ministers, You know, I can have a youth minister. I can have an old people's minister. I can have a young people's minister. I can have a college minister and newly married minister and divorced minister. I don't think you can have a divorced minister. Anyway, uh, but we have all this and we think that it's all of a sudden it's become this organization. And that is not the body of Christ. 
The body of Christ is a living organism. If you are saved this day, you have a ministry. And your number one priority in ministry is the saints. Okay? So we see this. It is equipping the saints for the work. The church is not a spectator sport. The church is a living dynamic that each person has responsibility for. And we're going to look at this in depth in the weeks to come in chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. Rock and roll theology on what the body is. I mean, I am excited. I'm trying to get through these spiritual gifts so I can get into this. And everybody says, that's the theology stuff. Man, I tell you what, when you look at what the body of Christ is, it will just absolutely stun you. I'm in. I like it. Anyway, let's go. But we also have these gifts that strengthen. Okay, if I'm equipping the saints for the work of ministry, then we will have gifts that will strengthen. Okay, Um, I want you to look at chapter 12, verses 4 through 7, because he says there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. That makes sense. Okay, there are varieties of ministry and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects or power, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Now look what he says, verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. For what reason? Common good. Common good of who? The body of Christ. The body of Christ. I hear people say, well, you know, I'm not part of this fellowship. I'm a part of that body up here. No, you're not. If you're a Christian, you're part of the body of Christ. I don't care whether you're teaching with me in Russia or if you're teaching at a Bible study in your home or whatever you're doing, you're part of the body of Christ. That's a non-negotiable. Well, I just don't have my membership. What, you're telling me that you love his mind, you don't love his body? That's, you can't do it. You can't separate Christ from the church. It's like you can't separate the word from Christ. We have these gifts that strengthen. I want you to think about these things because we toss around supernatural just it's everywhere. Okay, I want you to think about divine enabling. Okay, that the energy source behind it is the same energy source that spoke existence into being. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking that's a pretty pretty solid source of energy. What do you think? All right, it works for me. All right, we've seen that there is the word of wisdom. We've seen that there is the word of knowledge. We've seen that there is the gift of faith. We looked at the gift of prophecy. We looked at the gift of discernment. We looked at the gift of teaching. We looked at the gift of helps, administrations, or leadership. We looked at the gift of exhortation. We looked at the gift of giving. We looked at the gift of mercy. We looked at the... Peter describes it as the speaking gifts and the serving gifts. We looked at these all in detail. So when you people say, well, he's been 23 weeks dealing with this, you know what? You who have been through all 23 weeks are not ignorant of spiritual gifts. Okay? If you feel like you're still ignorant, I think it's online. It's free. Just listen to it. Okay? Because I don't want to go back through all of these. Why? They are for the strengthening of the body. Your gift is for me. My gift is for you. Okay? That we would be unified. Okay? The church in Corinth was having a serious problem with unification. Chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 says, I want you to be in agreement and in the same judgments in all things. Okay? Now listen, the Bible doesn't say I want you to do something, but by the way, there's no way it's ever going to happen. It doesn't work that way. Jesus' prayer, okay, what we... What is the true Lord's prayer in John 17? says that, Father, that they may be one... Just as you and I are one. Now, let me ask you a question. How unified is Jesus and God the Father? Okay, but he says they're only going to get this done is by sanctifying them. How do you sanctify them? Truth. Okay? And your word is truth. You want to see unity in the body of Christ, you'll see a a church that preaches nothing but the truth. You know what happened to church in Corinth? They'd gotten away with that. The first six chapters of the Corinthian letter is dealing with the divisions that are in the church. It isn't until chapter 7 that he actually deals with what they were asking him about. The first six chapters are chastening. I want to give you some other text on this because I, 
I see this. I watch people who are trying to, I, and I, I fell into this, doctrine divides. Okay, and if you're too dogmatic on your doctrine, you're just going to cause division. You know what? That's not true. Doctrine unites. If you're dogmatic in your doctrine and you're willing to sit down and reason together from the Scripture, how united will you be? It will just grow. Why? Because God didn't make it multiple. You know, and I got into trouble even in our denomination. I, I preached the message before uh, the church leaders here on the front range, and, and I said, there are not multiple interpretations. There's multiple applications. But the Bible doesn't mean something to you, means something to you, means something to me, and they're all different. It's impossible. And I see this on a regular basis, and part of the reason is is that the body of Christ for too many years right now has been just getting bits and pieces, bits and pieces, bits and pieces. And people are running around with this little bit of thing, and 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 they're all divided. I meet with pastors on Thursday morning to pray. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it is a scary event. Because it scares me at some of the stuff that I hear coming out of shepherds' mouths. Um, I, I made the comment that I heard a guy pray one night at a church here in Castle Rock. I'm not going to mention it. But he prayed, and if you'd have shut your eyes and been dropped into it, you would have had no idea who he was talking to. It sounded like a conversation that you would have with anybody over a cup of coffee or anything else. And I thought, when I got done, my heart was so troubled, it just bugged me. Who are you? Who are you talking to? That's troubling. That's troubling. Well, but you're a Baptist or you're a Presbyterian or you're this or you're that. And you know what? God's not going to ask you for your denominational card. You better understand that. He's going to say, what would you do with my, my son? And let me tell you something. If you do not spend time in the Word, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. You cannot separate Scripture from Jesus Christ. And yet, that's what we're doing. In Ephesians chapter 12, or, yeah, you better throw that Bible down. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, we are equipping the saints for the service and the building up of the body of Christ. Here's why. Remember what I told you. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, and all that. All right. For the equipping of the saints. Why? Until we all attain to the unity of faith, of the knowledge. Where's the unity of faith going to come from? From the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs into the fullness of Christ. How are you going to do that? How can I take this group right here? Let's say we're going to do this, okay? This group here, I've got everything from Adam to... I won't pick on you, Al. Um, (laughs) Okay? All across the board here. i got people in this room right now who are professionals. They're college educated. They've got masters. They've got this. They've got that. And, you know, Lanny's going to med school. uh, And then then you got me. And I don't know what that says. But we're all together. How are we all going to get together and be one to the fullness of Jesus Christ? See the standard? I and mean, we can all be one. We can, I can pull that off. But can you be one? Take this group right here. And we are going to be one in the fullness of Christ. So when people would look at us, all they're going to see is a manifestation of Jesus Christ. How are you going to do that? Any ideas? You know what's scary? I receive material weekly that tell me how to do that. And it's all based on a business model. That's insane. That is absolutely insane, people. You can't do that. Here's how we're going to get it done. As a result, no longer be children tossed here and there by waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men... And by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. How are you going to do it? 
How many times do we buy into the schemes of men? How many times are we tossed around to and fro by wind of doctrine? Well, I read this guy's book, and this guy's really good. This has got to be of God. It's on the number one bestseller list in the New York Times. It's got to be God's, right? This has got to be working. Look, look at all the people. In Colossians chapter one or chapter two, verses one through eight, here's what Paul says: I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. For those of you who are in Laodicea and for those who I have not personally seen my face, that the hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love. I like that, right? We can all come together right now. I hear that people say that. I'll say, you know what? We're just going to be in love with Jesus Christ all together. Well, who is Jesus Christ? Who is he? What is he? What does he look like? How tall is he? What does he think? Right? God doesn't hide that kind of stuff from us. Uh, he may hide his height. Uh, he's really big. Okay? It says that the waters fit in the hollow of his hand and the span of his hand is creation. I'm thinking he's huge. Okay? But he knows the hairs of my head. Okay? He knows when a sparrow falls. I'm thinking he's kind of got this all thing figured out and he's a little bit into the specifics of it. Anyway. <clears throat> you haven't seen my face. That your hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love attaining to... Now grab this. The wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in the true knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ himself. All of the wealth that comes from what? True knowledge. Okay. There is a, I brought this up last night in last night's message. I know a whole bunch of people who are seeking God. I know very few who trust him. Very few who trust him. Okay? And I, I'm not saying that to hurt anybody's feelings today. But you can look at a person's life and tell you what they trust in. You know, I've, I've had people, they'll say, well, what do you do for a living? I tell them what I do for a living. They say, oh, so you're a man of faith. And I look at him and say, no, I've never met a human being who's not a person of faith. It's just what do you put your faith in? Have you ever gotten an aluminum can? Yeah, you have. If you've ever flown, you ever been in an aluminum can? What makes that sucker fly? I don't know. You know what's scary about flying? I never get to see who's driving. Doesn't that bother you? I remember telling my wife, I like flying into little planes. She said, yeah, but they bounce and they jump. And I said, yeah, but you know what? If you're sitting right next to the pilot, he gets ready to kill you, you can whack him. You know, you're getting ready to kill me, I'm going to punch you right in the nose. Okay, and then other ones, you line up with all these people, you like cattle in the back of it, and all of a sudden it says, hold on, put your seatbelts on, no smoking and everything else, and up, up you go. Why? Why? I remember flying to, uh, I was going to London, England, and we pulled out, we was coming out of Chicago, and, and, and we pulled out and we stopped, and then all of a sudden the plane just turns off on one of them little exit ramp things or whatever they are. Okay, and the guy said, uh, we have to do a recalculation. Well, probably good to do it while we're on the ground. And he says, we have this weight to something ratio and all the rest of it. He said, we just want to make sure we got enough fuel to get there. Why didn't you do this before? You know, I could have sat in the lounge. But he did. And the next thing he says, well, we got it all worked out. We're going to take off now. And I'm thinking, you didn't do anything. Did we get more gasoline? Or did you throw luggage out? What did you do? Okay, and so there was some faith. Jesus, here I come. (laughs) Anyway, our hidden, verse 3, in whom, who Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Did you get that? Do you know what is in Christ? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, I got some more here. First Peter chapter one verses two through four. You see all of this. Okay, and 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 when I look at this, 
I, I want you to understand how these things are working. This is how the body of Christ works. This is how we're going to be strengthened. Then we moved into gifts that signal. And I looked at these things, miracles. We got miracles for everything. You know, my, when my, my youngest son passes a math test, we say, that's a miracle. When you try to find a, a, a parking place at Christmas, and it's a miracle. Uh, I got all my Christmas shopping done in five and a half hours. That's, that's beyond miraculous. Okay, but I showed you what miracles were biblically. Okay, it has to do with powers. It was dealing with God saying, I have the power over the demonic coast. That's what you see biblically. Okay, I also dealt with last week, uh, healings. The last two weeks. Healings. What is healings? And, and I gave you a whole bunch of stuff on that. Uh, it's, a, it's to authenticate the messenger and the message that he's saying. It is God empowering people, his people. Listen, well, I'm, not, I'm not talking about God doing a miracle. God can do anything God wants to do anytime God wants to do it. I'm talking about God empowering an individual to have the ability to heal. God never healed fake diseases. He healed diseases, organic diseases. I'm talking about people that got no eyes, they got an eye. I'm talking about people who are paralyzed, they get up and walk. I'm talking about people who are deaf and I can now speak. That's what I'm talking about. You need to get the tapes or CDs or whatever we do anymore. Okay? When you look at Jesus, when he does miracles or when he does healings, he did it with a word or a touch. He did it instantaneously. He did it totally. He did it to everybody. He did organic diseases. He even did organic diseases to the point of raising the dead. That is not seen today. Please hear me. I showed you a doctor who had done research on this, this, and he could not find anybody who'd ever been healed by a healer, ever. Never. Okay, not one. And this guy's a believer. Okay, can God heal? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, here's the thing I want you to think about in spiritual gifts. Always, always, always. The person who is exercising a spiritual gift, first, manifests all the fruit of the Spirit, period. All the fruit of the Spirit. Second, they have a purity of life. Why? Thirdly, they have a purity of doctrine. Fourthly, why? They are the most humble person you'll ever meet in your life. Why? If you've got a purity of doctrine, you can't be but humble. Right? And if you're in that humble, then you'll have a purity of life. If you have a purity of life, you're going to be what? Manifesting fruits of the Spirit. With all of those, you'll have a total exaltation of Christ and absolute obedience to His Word. And you'll see Him. People ask me, what is my spiritual gift? Do you do those six? If you don't do those six, I have no idea what your gift is. Why? Do you really believe that the Holy Spirit is going to empower your flesh for anything? You really believe that? I don't think so. Okay? Now then, I want to move into this one. I am not here to offend people. I'll tell you that right up front. But I do want to deal with the gift of languages. Okay? Gift of languages. And the interpretation of languages. This was a major issue in the church in Corinth. Okay? You know what? It's a major, major issue in the church today. I've run into it in... Orel, Russia. I've run into it in St. Petersburg, Russia. I run into it in London, England. I run it in Sussex, England. Uh, I have run into it all over the place. Okay? This gift. Um, listen, let's see if we can look at it in a historical event. God confused the languages of men at the Tower of Babel. Okay? And the only biblical incidents that can rival the confusion of that language <laughs> is the confusion that existed in the church in Corinth. It's that simple. I'm going to, in the weeks to come, I'm going to go through the historical and I'll show you the society that the church in Corinth was in. But I just want to, what does the Bible say about it? There is a lot of confusion on it. And a lot of people who tout this gift claim they've got biblical precedence for it. And all right. But what does the Bible truly say about it? Um... 
I, I, I don't understand. Listen, I want you to, first and foremost, you know, people say, well, you're a Baptist, you Southern Baptist. And you're not. Listen, I believe that there is a true gift of languages. Okay, got it? That's where I stand. Okay? But I think Acts 2 tells me that it is the ability to speak a foreign language. Now listen, when I'm in Russia, I have interpreters. Okay? Uh, and, and, and I heard, I remember Sergei uh, interpreting for Yuri Sipko, who's the head of the Baptist Union of Russia. I'll tell you what, you sit and watch those two men, you can't figure out who's preaching. I don't know who's preaching. It, you know, I don't know if Yuri is interpreting Sergei or Sergei is interpreting Yuri. Okay, but let me tell you something. Sergei will tell you he does not have the gift of languages. But how do you do that? He says, I studied English. And some of you say, I wish Terry would. Um, but, but do you see that? The gift of languages would be all of a sudden I can speak fluent Russian. And, it, you know, I'd give anything that speaks fluent English. But I, I want you to understand that as we look at the Corinthians, let me tell you something about the gift of tongues. They will tell you, those who believe they have, have done it, you know what, and you may have done it in this room. They will tell you that, but you don't understand. I prayed in tongues. or I, I, you know, I remember a guy telling me that he had, a, a, had torn his Achilles uh, not uh, strained his Achilles tendon. And he said he got in the shower one morning and he began singing in tongues and his Achilles heels was healed. What am I going to tell him? Okay. You know, I mean, if your Achilles tendon, if you've ever damaged that thing, I got hit one time in the back. That's, that's painful. And if you were in the shower and you sang in some language and now it's fixed what am i going to tell you it ain't fixed i don't know but i do want to know this what does the bible tell me about tongues tongues is growing okay but i want to share with you some stuff that as i looked at the only time the gift of tongues is mentioned outside of the book of acts is this text that's fascinating to me and the reason I say it's fascinating, Ephesians speaks on spiritual gifts. Tongues is not mentioned. Romans speaks on spiritual gift and tongues is not mentioned. Peter speaks on spiritual gifts and tongues is not mentioned. Okay? So the only place that I see tongues dealt with is three spots, three different texts in the book of Acts, and then Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. That's it. All right? And what's amazing is he takes a whole chapter, the whole 14th chapter deals with this thing, and I'm thinking that the Corinthians had a problem. All right? Look at something I want you to see. Okay? In the flow of spiritual gifts, which begins in chapter 12, I want you to look at chapter 12, verse 2. Okay? You know that when you were pagans... You were led astray to mute idols. Okay, do you know what that means, right? That's the counterfeit. That's the counterfeit. Mute idols. You know what that means. The idol can't say nothing to you. All right? The Corinthians were allowing the entire world thinking in which they existed to come into the assembly of the saints. Even false religion. Look what verse 3 says. Therefore, remember what he said, you were in these mute idols. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says what? Jesus is accursed. There were people standing up in the Corinthian congregation claiming Jesus Christ was cursed and saying that the Holy Spirit is the one who told him to say it. Does that take rocket science to say, I'm thinking that ain't right? Do you have to be a theologian? You don't have to be a Bible scholar to say, hmm, that's probably not really working. But the Corinthians had allowed human philosophy. Chapters 1 through 4. They had hero worship, 
We see that today. Our society has it. And that is chapter 3. They were involved in sexual immorality, chapter 5 and 6. They were messed up at home and in marriage, that's chapter 7. They were confused about feasts and idols in chapter 8 through 10. They were messed up on the place of a woman and the role of a woman in chapter 11. They completely missed spiritual gifts, chapter 12. They had completely lost hold of the one great thing, love, chapter 13. And the counterfeits were alive and well and being accepted in the church. Okay? Basically, the entire satanic system that exists in their society had infiltrated the church. That's awful. It's awful. It was satanic. Please understand it. It's chapter 1, verses 2 through 7. You see that. Okay? We, uh, as many, um, have a foundation that is similar to what was going on in the church in Corinth. And here's why I say that. There's a word that is used to interpret languages, tongues, that many of you and I miss. Okay, it's in the Greek, and it's the word eros. Okay, eros is used in its bulk term to speak of sexual love. That's what it means, all right? But it's defined based on feelings, on sensuality. It's based on feelings. All right? Today in America, you hear this on a consistent basis. I just did not feel the presence of God. Okay, what are you basing that on? What are you basing that on? Listen, my Bible says God is omnipresent. I don't have to go around looking to feel Him. He's everywhere. I don't have to feel it. Okay? And, and I see it... They're trying to blame some of this stuff on what they call the working of the Holy Spirit, and it's emotion-based, and it's basically stimulating my feelings. You know, I wept at that message. Really? You know, I've wept at just studying the Word, never having anybody preach. Listen, the Bible says that the relationship with Jesus Christ is based on thinking and the mind as the Word of God directs. Okay? There are times that it breaks forth in feelings. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. But if you base your understanding of God on emotions, on feelings, you are in very dangerous ground. I call that the smoke screen of Satan. Okay? He clouds the true work of the Holy Spirit. First John says if someone comes and professes this, you are to what? Test the Spirit to see whether it's true or not. And you know what? I believe it's very easy to fall prey to this, to fall to the phony Satan is called the God of this age. Satan is called the spirit who energizes the children of disobedience. Satan wants to be like God. Satan appears as an angel of light. And you know what he does on a regular basis? He counterfeits the real. And he wants the church to buy the counterfeit, buy the phony. People were cursing Jesus Christ publicly in the congregation in Corinth and saying it was the Holy Spirit doing it. Okay? I'm convinced it's here today. I'm convinced that many have accepted the counterfeit. And, I, and it's based on the impacts of the emotions of the people. I want some kind of emotional thing. Many sat in church and never got anything. That could change their lives. Think about it. How many people have been under textual thematic exposition? Verse by verse explaining each book letter of the Bible. How many have been under topical preaching? Topical preaching is the norm. Okay, now listen, I'm not against topical preaching. But listen, how do you really expect me to say, okay, Sandy, I know you're dealing with this, so I'm going to give you a message for this, and, and Mike, you need a message for this, and, and Ryan, you need a message for this, and Stephanie, you need a message for this. What am I going to get accomplished? Let me tell you something. Whatever's troubling you right now, by this afternoon, is going to be gone. Okay? And what will be troubling you on Monday, by Monday evening, will be gone. And I really think that I can hit you, hit and miss, well, you guys are expecting an awful lot out of me. 
And that's why I systematically just teach these books. Why? Because I'm going to let God decide what you need. I'm just going to keep cranking out what he's given me. I'm just, that's why I try to tell everybody, everybody says, well, what's a pastor? Listen, I'm a table waiter. That's it. I go over here, I hang out with God in the Bible and in prayer, and I try to get it out to the table without spilling anything. All right, now whether you eat of it or not, it's not my problem. Okay? But if you want to tip me, you can. (laughs) I believe that many have sat in the church for years and years and years and never gotten anything to change their lives. So what they do is they look for it emotionally. Okay, so now then I want to go, I'm just going to deal with a little bitty verse. I'm going to kind of give you a format here. Chapter 14 deals with tongues. Uh, I'm not going to belabor this because I will come into this in more detail in the months and years to come. So, but I want you to look at it in chapter one verses or chapter 14 verses one through 19. You see the position of tongues in chapter 14 verses 20 through 25. You see the purpose of tongues and in 26 through 40, you will see the procedure for tongues okay what was the purpose of this gift same as all of them brothers and sisters verse 4 one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself but one who prophesies does what edifies the church we want to edify the church don't we we're going to be here for the strength of the church and the work of service right verse 26 of chapter 14 what does it say what is it out there then, brethren, when you assemble, each one of you brings a song, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for what? Edification. There's that unity thing that I just got over with. You've got to get a hold of this. You're going to watch it in chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. He's talking about unity. The spiritual gifts are for the unifying of the saints. Okay, now then, how's he started out? Chapter 14, first thing you're supposed to do is what? It literally means to chase after. Chase after something. What am I going to chase after? Love. Okay, now listen, that's part of chapter 13. All right? I should be chasing after this. Look at chapter 12, verse 31. I earnestly, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. Earnestly desire. It should be translated indicative. Why? Because the content says you guys are so arrogant right now. I don't need you to be pursuing and coveting show off gifts. So the indicative is you need to look at this thing and the right path. And we'll show you a more excellent way. Which one is that? Pursue love. Chase after love. That's how he starts chapter 14, right? Chase after love. Chase it. Pursue it. It's literally the word that you and I get persecute from. There's a zeal there. I want to persecute this. Continue. Look what he says next. Yet earnestly desire. And it, it literally means to continually. Continually desire. And the word gifts is not in the original text. And he says it's spirituals. And what are the spirituals? That's, that's, desire. Pursue love. And desire to live in the spiritual realm. That's cool. I like that. Chase love. But don't stop continuing to desire the spiritual. Why? We should want the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Should. But then he says this, especially that you may what? Prophesy. Prophesy has nothing to do with speaking the future. It means to speak before. The church is to come together to hear the word of God spoken. That's what it's for. Guess what? We're right on track. What do I do here? What do we do here? If you're in a Sunday school class, Sunday morning, Sunday night, what do we do here? Speak the word of God. Why? Because that's what it says to do. Tongues, he says, for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. The only time that the gift was ever to be used was when somebody would understand. Did you hear what I said? If you're going to edify the saints, it would really behoove you that they understand what you're saying. I like that word, behoove. I don't even know what that means, but it sounded cool, didn't it? That's tongues. Okay? Listen, if 
you're Russian and I'm American and I've got the gospel and I speak to you in American, what good is it going to do you? How am I going to strengthen you? Better yet, what would you do to strengthen me? Listen. What is being said to the gift of languages was a signal. It was a sign. In Acts chapter 2, and we're going to go back to these, there's three other chapters, two other chapters. But in Acts chapter 2, it was a sign because the man preached the gospel and it says each person heard in their own, what? Language. Language. They understood what the gospel was. It was never intended for edification. Did you understand what I just said? The gift of tongues was never intended to strengthen the body of Christ. Actually, it's totally useless when it comes to edification. It has no edification capabilities. Okay? If you don't understand what I'm saying, how are you going to be edified? All right? Now, I want to show you something really quick. And I just want this is just a foundational message on this topic look at verse 2 one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to god okay now if yours has got a capital g in there that's fine it shouldn't be there's no definite article okay and the only time that i in my understanding of the greek language that i see capital g is when i have a definite article the god meaning jehovah yahweh Okay, there's no definite article in the original language. So it should be, he speaks to a God, little g. Okay, now you're going to say, well, now Terry, you're up there, you're changing Bible and all the rest of it, and I can't believe this. Okay, let me ask you this. What does it say? The one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to who? Men. But to, leave your definite article in there, but to the God, our God. For no one understands. All right, now I want you to stop right there and I want you to think about this. Okay, now I'm not here to say, take and just start scribbling and changing your Bible. Do you understand what spiritual gifts are for? Do you understand who they are for? Who are spiritual gifts for? They're for men. So why would God... Give me a gift to give to him. (laughs) My wife and Stephanie will tell you, I have a little slide order of sarcasm in my life. Okay? I learned it well. The Apostle Paul has a little sarcasm. That's what that is. See, Paul is saying, people, you you and your, your babbling ecstasies, are not doing what spiritual gifts were given to do. That is to speak to men. Your your noise, you're speaking to a God. If you speak in a tongue, you speak not unto men. See that? Bottom line, all spiritual gifts are given for the purpose of ministry or speaking to and for men. Listen, God is complete. He doesn't need your gift. He gives us the gift so we will be complete. So why would he give you this language that only he knows so that the Holy Spirit who gave it to you would talk to himself? That's Paul's sarcasm. Remember, 12, it says there are varieties of ministries, but one spirit, and he gives them as he wants. So the Holy Spirit gives you a language that you don't understand, no man understands, so the Holy Spirit can sit and talk to himself? That's Paul's argument. He says, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. What's the matter with you people? You, Corinthians, you have missed the very foundational basis why spiritual gifts were given in the first place. What were they given for? Yours and my strengthening. 
Your gift is for men and women. My gift is for men and women. My gift is not for God. Please understand that he's complete. He don't need your gift. Do you see, this is kind of a broad thing that I'm trying to throw out here. I hope you understand this. Listen, I believe in the gift of languages. But I do not believe that the gift of languages is so that the Holy Spirit can talk to himself. Okay? No spiritual gift was ever given for God. It's not there. Spiritual gifts were given for men. All the gifts are given to build the body of Christ so it will be the fullness of Christ. You and I can't accomplish that. But we all come together, exercise our gift, whatever the gift is, what happens? We manifest Christ. We manifest Christ. God doesn't need us to minister a gift to Him. Please hear me on that. He is not incomplete. We are. Paul says, you have fallen down on the very basic use of gifts. And that is that gifts are for men. What you're doing is not of, for men. It is for... I, don't, I, I believe it should be a little g. You can do whatever you want with it. Uh, I don't find no definite article. Every time I look at the Greek language, there's a definite article. Definite article, theos, then it's the God, meaning the holy God. All right, why? It's always for unity. It's always for unity. Your gift, I don't care what your gift is, is to unify all of us. Okay? I mean, that's the amazing part that I see in chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. He says the, the body of Christ is like the human body. And each thing is doing their thing. Right? You have divine enablement that draws us all together. We all work sufficiently together. We all work efficiently together. And we literally can take a group as diverse as this group is right now and be one, look just like Jesus Christ. How are you going to do that? You can only do that through a divine enabling, through a spiritual gift. You have not the capability. I don't have the capabilities. So spiritual gifts were given for men. And he makes this statement in verse 2, and he says here, a one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. See? God doesn't need you to talk to him in some noise. God doesn't need you to talk to him in some private prayer language. That is not the gift. Listen, I believe in the gift of tongues. I want, I really, I want to reiterate that. I believe in healings. I believe in miracles. I absolutely believe it. But I believe what I have heard and what I have seen, quote unquote, called the spiritual gift of tongues and what I have read and what I know of the church in Corinth, that all are counterfeit. They are not of God. They are counterfeits. I know that sounds harsh. Okay? But I'm going to ask you, what do you do with verse 2? Because spiritual gifts were given to the strengthening of men. And it says, this thing that you're doing has absolutely no ability to do that. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. That's tough. I know. You know what? If you spoke in tongues, you've got a prayer language. Hey, I'm happy for you. I have a prayer language. Mine's American. Okay. I mean, there's times when I'm probably praying that God's saying, oh, I wish you'd shut up. And I don't understand what he's saying. But I do know this, brothers and sisters. If you don't get anything out of any of these messages, spiritual gifts are for us. They're not for God. They're not for God. And whatever the exercising of whatever the gift is, it is, it is other than that, it's counterfeit. It's counterfeit. Okay? In weeks to come, I'm going to show you some of this counterfeit and what it looks like, what it sounds like. I ain't going to make it sound like it. You don't want me to try that. <laughs> but I can show you that this ecstatic speech has been around 
um, since the Egyptians. Okay? So I, I really... I, I, listen, I'm not... A, <laughs> I dealt with this with my brothers in Russia. They said, but we have people speaking tongues all the time. And it says here, chapter 14, do not forbid the speaking in tongues. What do you do with that? No problem. Do you understand the procedure for speaking in tongues? I do. If you don't have an interpreter, shut up. That's not complicated. You know what? I could sit and preach my brains out in Russia, and if I don't have an interpreter, I should just shut up. Because I'm not accomplishing anything. Okay? How many of them have the gift of interpretation? that you see that are out there claiming. I seen two guys one time telling jokes in tongues. They were laughing and going back and forth, and I sat there and thought, but it ain't funny. (laughs) Some people can tell jokes and others can't. That's the kind of stuff that I want you to understand. Listen, we have been given not to a feeling, to emotions. You and I have been given to think and read and reason. God said, I've done it. I created you that way. It's really easy. Try it. And that's the kind of stuff, the simplicity of this is, well, part of it is I've been reading 1 Corinthians for about five years now. The second part of it is here he says, if he speaks in a tongue, he does not speak to men, but he speaks to God. You know what, if you want to, keep the, if you want to put the definite article in there and he says he's talking to God, then you've got the Holy Spirit talking to himself. Okay? That don't sound right either. Okay? And I'll deal with Romans 8. Groaning's too deep that only the Spirit can understand. I'll deal with that. But I want you to grab a hold of this on the basis of, do you understand the basis for spiritual gifts is for men? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for spiritual gifts. Lord, I thank you for allowing us to live in the heavenlies. Father, to live in the place of the spiritual realm. Father, to walk by faith, not by sight. Father, to have your word, which may be the greatest miracle that has ever been presented to men. Father, may we cherish it. May we contend for the faith given once and for all. Father, I know there's controversy over this, but Lord, I can tell that there's been controversy. Father, I just ask that you teach us. You show us what your word says. And then, Father, we'll deal with you. Lord, I just cherish that. Help us, Lord. Help us to be men and women of the book, men and women, empowered by you and you alone. Father, may help us be part uh, of this unification, this true growing in the knowledge and stature and the fullness of Christ, each of us exercising our gift for the benefit of others. To your glory and to your praise. Amen.